The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the show about money. I hope you're doing well this morning. Just like another glorious August weekend. Uh, may you enjoy and uh, may we help you uh, become wealthier. That's what this show is all about, helping you have more green in your pocket. That's a good thing, isn't it? Uh, the world has changed. Uh, the change remains. COVID-19, yes, the economy is opening up, and who are those people who aren't wearing masks when they go into restaurants? Come on, we all have to wear a mask. It's our duty. It's our obligation to one another uh, and to help flatten the curve. We want things back to normal after all, don't we? You know, part of normal, part of money is just to be consistent uh, with your investment process, uh, with your long-term goals, uh, and as such with your long-term plan. Uh, If you fail to plan, you plan to fail, I was taught. And as such, we must always keep our eye on the prize. And uh, yeah, it's important, and that's what Jack and I are here to help you with. Uh, we're going to uh, fill the show up with lots of knowledge, lots of fun, and uh, lots of information to help you uh, move forward with your financial plan. It's all about process. Uh, we're going to start the show off speaking with our in-house financial planner, a gentleman that we put in front of each and every one of our clients, Mike Bellamy. Uh, good morning, Mike. How are you? Not too bad, Wolf. Thanks for having me on again. You know, it's a pleasure, Mike. Um, so you're working hard. In fact, I think you're uh, working harder than ever, uh, redoing plans, updating plans, refle- uh, refreshing plans. Uh, people have a little extra time on their hands, and uh, money, of course, in times of crises becomes front and center each and every time. Uh, please share with us um, what are clients asking of you in this environment, and how are you helping them? So, yeah, so like you said, there's been probably busier than it's ever been um, over the last six months. We've got, you know, clients are at home. Um, they've got more time. They're they're at home with their spouses, and they've got time to sit down and actually go through finances, look at things. And we've got a lot of people calling in that, you know, put planning on the back burner, to say the least, and are looking to do financial plans, looking to do reviews. People are getting their wills set up. So, I think some of the positives that's come out of this is people are definitely cleaning up their financial households right now, which is is a good thing for for us and for the clients. And and also, too, you're getting, you know, unfortunately getting some of the people who are are scrambling a bit with jobs um, and that sort of thing looking at. We've, you know, unfortunately had to look at some packages for, for people and that sort of thing. And then also on the, you know, on that topic is also life insurance. Um, you know, with, with some of the scary things that have been going on, people are definitely reevaluating that topic. We've seen quite an uptick in younger clients approaching us. And by younger clients, I'm saying like 25 to, to 35 year olds, um, you know, with, with young families or just getting married. And there's, there's definitely some concerns there and they're, they're looking deeper at, you know, getting the term insurance in place. 
which I think is a good thing, right? You're, you're locking in a rate for, you know, the next 20 to 30 years that's going to be significantly cheaper than if you wait, you know, until you're 40 or 45 to put uh, some term insurance in place. So it's been, a, it's been a positive from that standpoint, and it's been nice to, to educate some of these younger clients on that topic. Let's, let's for a moment just um, uh, take it to the next level. Um, the underwriting process with life insurance, um, is there going to be a questionnaire or on the questionnaire a question about COVID? Have you been exposed to COVID? Uh, is that coming up yet? And uh, those who have COVID, are they applying for um, uh, insurance and being rejected? Yeah, so that questionnaire basically came out in April. They were The insurance companies were pretty quick to, uh, to do that. So there was even even applications that were put in in March and February that weren't um, you know were accepted in April or late March had to fill out a COVID questionnaire. So it was you know have you experienced symptoms? Have you been quarantined? And and you had to sign off on that. So that that's been in place basically from day one with the insurance companies. Now I want to I want to just just have some fun here for a second. Um, what if you um, survived COVID? And as such, your body has now put forth antibodies, making you actually more resilient uh, to uh, receiving uh, COVID a second and third time and, and, and uh, having it uh, take your life. Uh, are you going to actually be rated, uh, have a better rating uh, with a life insurance policy? I bet not. I bet not. Yeah, no. Organization <laughs> do that. Come on. Right? Yeah, yeah. Healthier people, people who are who are who are proper weight, have a good diet, have a low blood pressure, can in fact receive better than average insurance rates. Um, and again, I'm going to throw it on the table, if I may. Uh, again, on the topic of insurance, just for fun, um, I'm in the process of reviewing my house insurance, and I'm in the process of moving as well. Uh, and the property that I'm purchasing has a lot more trees on the property. And I'm always concerned with the tree falling on my neighbor's property and on my property. So I, I asked the insurance company, I said, well, uh, what if a tree of mine falls on my neighbor's property? Uh, who's liable? What's the process? You know what the answer was, Mike? What? They're liable for, their, uh, for, for my tree falling on their property. Their insur- insurance uh, covers uh, the damage, not mine. So everyone <laughs> needs to have house insurance in case someone else's tree falls on your property. It's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's very interesting. I'm looking at a big tree right outside my house right now. I might need to ask the neighbor to trim. <laughs> okay. Well, again, is it, is it your tree or your neighbor's tree? It's the neighbor's tree, yeah. Right, so if the neighbor's tree falls on Mike's house, Mike insurance, Mike's insurance pays for it, and Mike pays the deductible, and you can't sue if you do. Apparently, it's an exercise in futility. Uh, again, going through the process. Uh, see, everything is now going online, Mike, and again, again, as we have more time, we, uh, and I think it's very important that individuals out there review all of their um, annual uh, renewal, renewable-type expenses, those annuity-type expenses that just continuously recur, be it gym memberships, your car insurance, your home insurance. Make sure it still fits your needs and wants. No different than a financial plan. Review what you have and what you're spending your money on. Um, Mike, again, I'm, I'm spending more time at home. Jack's spending more time at home. Normally, we'd be spending uh, our, our days in the office. Um, what about CRA? Have you, have you delved into this one? 
is CRA going to now allow us to deduct more of our home space, be it insurance, uh, mortgage, interest, uh, taxes, and the like, as we're working from home? Most people are working from home and have never written such assets or such expenses off. Yeah, so there's been uh, numerous articles kind of put out with regards to that, um, looking at obviously being at home for the the last probably six months and, you know, how the CRA is going to deal with that. Um, you know, it's kind of unknown territory for a lot of people. So we've been, you know, suggesting that, you know, this may be the year to, um, you know, employ a professional in the, the accounting department just to, to kind of navigate through there because there could be some definitely significant tax savings if you, you utilize it properly, right? As uh, opposed um, to a do-yourself tax package is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Mike, uh, I'm a big believer, as is Jack, that you need to surround yourself with professionals. Everyone needs to have access to a very good lawyer. No, you don't have to keep the lawyer on retainer. Have a relationship so that you have a go-to legal person uh, in your front pocket. You need to have a good money manager, a person who can discuss with you options and choices of your situation when you're about to make a change, uh, be it small or large. Um, you, you need to make sure that you, you have access, of course, to money. And <laughs> access to money means you want to have access to it when you don't need it. That's when it's most, uh, most readily and easily accessible. Once you need the money, it's more difficult to grant, uh, to grant access to it. So do all of this stuff in advance so that when an opportunity arises, you can take advantage of it. And when you need to make a change, you know who to ask, i.e., having an account available to you can certainly give you a better uh, answer as to can you now write part of your home off and all the other expenses that go with it. That, regardless of, of occupation right now, because so many people are realizing, that, wow, I never thought I could work from home, but in fact, much of my work can get done. Uh, but on the, you know, on the flip side to it, uh, Mike, obviously you are seeing more cars on the road. Um, Jack and I had a little uh, impromptu meeting yesterday in person, six feet apart, of course. I think we were six feet apart. I want to shake his hand. I haven't seen him in such a long time, but couldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. No. Uh, but, uh, Jack, you were just saying uh, you, you notice a pickup uh, in traffic on the roads, eh? Yeah, people are starting to move around a lot. Um, you know, in terms of expenses, uh, commuting for me was a very significant one. And the fact that, like you said, you're working from home. Uh, you had this trigger event, COVID-19, uh, obviously affected a lot of people and affected a lot of their habits. Um, and in terms of savings, I think that uh, whether it's commuting, restaurants, travel, all this stuff is very discretionary. Um, I think that the, when I was talking to Mike, he was saying how much people are actually saving and they didn't realize how much they were actually spending on those types of things. Uh, and a lot of people, as long as you're still employed, you've got more cash in your bank account right now. And again, uh, my good friends, don't let that cash burn a hole in your pocket. Uh, if you want to become wealthy, you need to continue to invest excess funds. Um, little windfalls, invest them. If you, uh, over time, that is how wealth is created. And again, uh, the process of building wealth is a process that requires a horizon of decades. It begins with steps, uh, days, weeks, months, years, decades. Once you log decades in your plan, you will begin to realize how incredibly powerful and um, uh, enlightening, (laughs) I I must say, the whole process becomes. It's wonderful. Uh, and, And that's what our clients have witnessed after now working with Jack and I for 
good golly, Jack. We, we, we're logging on 20 years now of time in this industry. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And you and I both really enjoy looking at those early clients who began with us with a sum of, say, $100,000. And 20 years later, they have accounts well over a million due to saving, process, not, not panicking, quality investments, quality advice, uh, long-term time horizon, working with Mike. It works. We, we, we have first-hand proof that it works. And friends at home, we want to help each and every one of you continue to listen to the show. It's Hi-Fi Radio. Mike Bellamy, our in-house financial planner, is on the line to help us through COVID-19. We're discussing plans, insurance, tax, uh, change, process, all important stuff, and that's how we help you succeed. You stay tuned. More show right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, Jack Hartle, Partner, Portfolio Manager as well. Uh, two for one is what you get with Jack and I. Two minds for the price of one. Uh, in fact, many minds for the price of one. Mike Bellamy, a key member of our team. Mike Bellamy is our resident financial planner. Uh, Mike works hard uh, working with clients, developing long-term financial plans. Um, they might be, before we, um, I want to throw it to Jack because Jack had some wisdom he wants to share with the class, and I really want to hear his wisdom firsthand. I haven't heard it yet, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so yeah, before I throw it to Jack, I, Mike, I want to speak to you about building a financial plan. Um, how much information do you require from the client? Uh, how long does the process take? And how often do you believe clients should work with you to refresh their financial plan? Yeah, so it's a good question. So, you know, the process is typically we take, um, you know, the first part of it is what we call a discovery meeting. So, you know, it's, it's me getting to meet the clients, um, sitting down with them. Pretty, you know, it doesn't have to be daunting. It's really just a conversation around, you know, what do your goals look like? What's... Um, you know, what plans do you have for the future? What does your next three to five years look like in your mind? And then just collecting the data that we need, you know, incomes, um, you know, tax statements, that sort of stuff, all the information that we need to put together the financial plan. And then that meeting is typically, you know, depending on the client, about an hour in length. And we usually will do that over the phone. And then meeting number two is where we dive a little deeper into the actual plan. For that purpose, we will typically look at, um, you know, either an in-person, which we used to do, or Zoom calls, and um, we'll present the financial plan. So in this this meeting, we're going to look at, you know, we may look at three or four different scenarios for the client, 
going into a deep dive on the data, showing them what things are looking like right now, you know, how they're tracking based on their current situation, and then, you know, what we feel they could do to improve that uh, to achieve their goals. And then from there, it's, you know, implementing those goals. So, you know, meeting slash um, call number three is typically if we're trying to implement any recommendations around there. So, you know, on a, on a typical standpoint, depending on the complexity, I would say it's about a three-meeting process. And then as far as, um, you know, length of time to update, I think, you know, once a year check-in to make sure that, um, you know, the recommendations we've uh, put in place are, are working as far as uh, savings, especially if we're making a big adjustment or if clients have made a big adjustment, maybe they're you know, in going into retirement or they're, um, you know, they've changed homes and their mortgage has gotten bigger or, or we're asking them to increase savings quite a bit. I think, uh, the, you know, that should be a one-year check-in, not necessarily an update to the plan, but just making sure everything's going well and is, is working. And then, I want to jump, uh, Mike, sorry, I want to jump right in there, if you don't mind, Mike. Yeah. Um, you're raising a very, very important point because uh, what people say and what people do can often show a big gap. So there are really two primary type of investors out there um, with respect to their wealth plan, their life stage. While you're working, you should be saving. And once you are retired, you will be harvesting. So savings. When clients sit down with Mike, I have often found that they, they, they commit to a savings plan and don't follow through. And Jack and I are not in the business of chasing clients every month to make their savings. Our clients are adults, they're grown up, and they have to take responsibility as well for their own success in wealth building and a financial plan. So savings must be uh, committed to and followed through on. And I, I think it's great, Mike, that if you at least once a year do a refresher with them, sure, once a year a reminder, hey, you didn't keep up with your part of the agreement, which was saving. Now, when you are retired, the spending part, forecasting your spending in, in the first few years is very, very tricky. And I find usually there, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike and Jack, clients tend to underestimate what they are going to spend and as such can't stick to what they committed to, which could lead to a major shortfall, which Jack and I never want for any Canadian, anyone on the planet, as a matter of fact, to run short of money uh, as you are in your harvesting years. So committing to a saving plan, a realistic one, and committing to a spending program is very important and very serious and can have dramatic uh, ramifications to the end result. Uh, so from there, gentlemen, I want to uh, – sorry, Mike, I want to pivot over to Jack. Um, Jack, please uh, share with the class uh, some of your latest work. Sure. Um, I would say my, late, my experience with financial planning – we do have a lot of it, obviously, Wolf – is – Financial planning is all about healthy habits, whether it's saving or spending and committing to them. And I also think it's really about framing, so how you look at it. So if you ask someone, you know, can you save 20% of your income? Most people are going to say, not a chance. There's no way I could do it. But then if you ask the same person, could you live on 80% of your income? Most people would find a way to do it. So they can save the money if they really commit to it. And like I said, it's about getting started and healthy habits. And I think Mike... From the conversations that we've had, um, the virus has certainly caused people to revisit those habits that they've had in the past. And like I said, they realized maybe they didn't need to spend all that money that they were on a lot of discretionary items. 
framing. Can you save 20% of your income? Most people would say no. Can you live on 80% of your income? Most people say perhaps. Isn't that fascinating, Jack? And again, you know, a Warren Buffett quote is, save first, spend what's left. The wealthy barber said the same thing. Pay yourself first at least 10%. Enjoy the rest. And again, I, I believe save as much as you can because at various stages in life, that will change. So if you're super young and if you're mooching off mom and dad, you have an opportunity to save large. And again, I, Jack, let's go back to your healthy habits. Uh, is it easier to teach healthy habits to young people or older people? Yeah, it's easier to, obviously, once you get into a habit, it's difficult to break it, whether it's a bad habit or a good habit. So as, you, as you're young, obviously, like you said, and you have uh, your son, Sebastian, saving regularly as well as he makes money. And then as he has made more money because of the virus, he's working more, he saves more. So like you said, once they get uh, uh, the, the habit down of saving and they actually see their money working for them, uh, I think it gives younger people a lot of incentive to save even more. You know, I think that is the end result. To really get people to buy into an investment program, they need to be able to see and appreciate the sum of their money working for them. And that's the frustrating part because that takes time. When you have $1,000 growing at 7 or 8%, sure, it makes you, what, 70 or $80 a year. But once you get to, say, a million dollars making you 7 or 8%, now you're talking some serious money. Seventy or eighty thousand dollars a year. Double it to two million; it's one hundred and forty thousand dollars a year. So again, speak to that, Jack, about about percentages versus an absolute dollar amount, and how that affects people's psyche, and how you can better frame that. And sorry, sorry, Wolf, I can just jump in too. Like we've been, and you know, we've talked about this in the office a number of times, especially for younger clients. We've been trying to automate savings for all of them. It's it's an easy habit to to set up and it helps the whole process, right? Even even 100%. clients who have never done it before, we are trying to automate everybody for that exact reason. Right? If if we're if we're not if you if you tell me you're gonna you know you're gonna max out your RSP at the end of the year, it's not gonna happen. That money will be spent somewhere else, it'll go somewhere, you won't have it, you'll end up, you know, not being able to do it. But if we can do you know, a saving set savings plan every month that just automatically goes out the day you get paid, you're not going to notice it as much. So hey, that's, let's, that's let's take it to a mortgage. Let's take it to a mortgage. You, yeah, you, like you will pay off a mortgage quicker. Not as, not as dramatic with low interest rates, but nonetheless relevant. If you pay weekly versus monthly, you will pay off your place quicker. So why not save the same way? Uh, the more frequently you save this, it's a smaller amount of money coming out of your account. You won't miss it, but it will be put to work sooner. I agree 100%. You're not going to pay your entire mortgage for the year at the end of the year. You, could, you wouldn't pull it off, but you certainly can make it happen paycheck to paycheck. I agree with you, Mike. Same thing. If you get a, but what's the maximum for an RSP now? It's about, I think, twenty six or $27,000 per year. Uh, even a high-income earner could easily spend through that high income and not be able to save twenty-five or 30000 bucks a year. I see it frequently. It's incredible still how much unused RRSP room exists in the system. And it still continues to be, I believe, a cornerstone uh, tax deferral savings vehicle uh, for Canadians that needs to be uh, uh, stressed and emphasized. I would add to that, Wolf, just with the RSPs, obviously, tax saving vehicle, 
TFSA, you get the tax-free compounding. Um, it's, uh, financial planning is really about optimizing a dollar. We talk to our clients about it all the time. And it's optimizing a dollar so that dollar works for you. And it makes you richer, obviously, versus what most people do is they want to spend a dollar to make themselves look richer. When you're really better off, obviously, with the former. Jack, that sounds like a Warren Buffett quote to me, and I caught that one on Instagram. That's it. You're enjoying those quotes, aren't you, that the Warren Buffett quote? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you adding me onto that list for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, they're fantastic. I encourage everyone out there to, 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 to go onto Instagram and, and, and subscribe and follow Warren Buffett quotes. It's this wonderful daily bite-sized nuggets of pure wisdom that perhaps just gets you back onto focus. Ah, a little light bulb went off. Uh, of course, uh, Jack... Myself, Mike Bellamy, our in-house financial planner, uh, bringing you this show, uh, COVID-19 social distancing style. You heard my little pooch bark in the background. Hey, it makes the show real after all. I hope your day's off to a good start. Of course, the show is about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager. Jack Hartle, my partner, portfolio manager as well. Uh, By the way, if you have any questions uh, that Jack and I uh, perhaps can answer, you never hesitate to contact us. Uh, with the website, WolfgangKlein.com. Uh, our performance numbers, our transparency, what we do, how we service and take care of people, it, it's all there. Uh, we're happy and delighted when you, the listener, uh, reach out to us for a few questions. Uh, hey, Jack, I have to say um, we got through the crises quite well, you and I. And, and, Mike, I appreciate your help and your guidance. Um, but, again, friends, I, I really encourage you, go to the website, uh, WolfgangKlein.com. Look at the performance reports and the work that Jack and I have been doing for our clients. We can help you in the same way we've been helping our clients, but uh, our long-term results, I think, speak for themselves. Um, I'm very proud of the results, and, uh, well, we continue to compound wealth, and that's what it's all about. Slow, steady, eddy wins the race, and we want to win the race in terms of decades. Because the game never ends until, of course, we have to go to the happy hunting ground in this. Mike Bellamy, our financial planner, always a pleasure to spend some time with you, my good friend. You do a great job for our clients. Uh, you're a key member on the Wolf on Bay Street team, my good friend. Uh, please keep up the good work. Uh, as I said, we want to help clients have excess funds so they can do good with those funds. And uh, my good friends, get yourself a tax refund through charity. I like the idea. It's all part of a good financial plan. Uh, I want to wish Mike a good weekend, and we're going to get right back with James Murphy. We're going to speak about tourism and we're going to speak about culinary experiences. We're going to speak about the first man to fly into Muskoka. James Murphy. It's going to be a very interesting conversation uh, on Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I went to the zoo just the other week. Saw the kangaroo. Had a talk with the chimpanzee. He said, hey, brother, if you want a thing that's hip, do the Bearcat. Well, good morning, Jim. Welcome back, and welcome the to the show about money. The show for you, my good friends, because, well, money matters to each and every one of us. And Jack Hartle and myself, Wolfgang Klein, 
portfolio managers want to make sure that you have plenty of money. So turn up your radio just a wee bit, and uh, well, we're going to learn about the world of tourism. Uh, James Murphy is joining us this morning, executive director of Art 2012 Explorers Edge. Um, you know, I, I look at your dossier, uh, James, and it's very colorful, but uh, basically you're, you're focused on the world of tourism, and you add a lot of color to it. And I, I caught here specifically some culinary color and some aviation uh, color. So, James, please share with us uh, your world of tourism and, and how the world of COVID-19 has perhaps altered the landscape. Well, for us, it's uh, the small business owners in our region, we cover Muskoka, Algonquin Park, Perry Sound, and Elmaguen Highlands. That's our, our catchment for our 2012, and our consumer's name is Explorer's Edge. And uh, our region is very dependent on tourism. Um, 14% of employment is related to tourism, and you know it's an ecosystem. If you're not directly involved in tourism, you're somehow connected to tourism in one way or another. So with tourism being the hardest hit, globally, and industry hardest hit globally, we certainly felt it in our neck of the woods. Um, our, the small businesses were very happy to see stage two relieved, and then again, stage three opened up. They were able to make money, and in our region, there is a short window for the tourism businesses to make money, so it was, uh, it was they were relieved to have stage three opened up. Uh, but there are still some challenges at hand uh, with regards to COVID-19 and how that changed. And the businesses spared no expense investing in, you know, PPE and sanitizers and signage in order not only to protect the tourists but protect the staff as well too. Uh, so it was quite a quite an impact. And we had just came off of last year was the floods. We had spring flooding, and the year before that we had Perry Sound wildfires or the perceived wildfires in Perry Sound. So we've had a couple uh, situations, and then on comes the pandemic. But what we have seen over the last uh, few weeks as we continue to you know, be diligent with uh, protocols and distancing, we have seen that because of what we have to offer in this region, that's our natural landscape, we have seen um, you know, tourism businesses uh, do well. They they've, haven't made back the money that they may have lost in the spring, but mm-hmm. certainly they're, they're seeing travelers coming to the region and booking in. And we as an organization uh, put a hyper-local tourism campaign in to get tourists, whether they're local or cottagers, to be tourists in their own backyard, so to explore and see what we have to offer. So it's been very interesting in our particular neck of the woods because we have that outdoor product um, to see tourism you know, sustain, sustain itself. And even we're seeing properties are booking into the fall as well, too. But again, we have to be very diligent, you know, contact tracing, you know, protocols in place and, and everything else to ensure everybody's safe. So it's been a, a learning experience, first pandemic I've ever been through. So it's, um, you know, lots of learnings as, as we go. So, so well, we certainly know we certainly know cottage country uh, has been red hot, and again, prior to May two four, there was a lot of concern that, in fact, we Torontonians and the likes were not to move too far from home, and that uh, we may this season have to do a bypass on our cottage uh, experience, and then whammo, they opened it up and uh, they headed north. Uh, now, Porter Airlines, uh, Jack informs me that in fact you are responsible for. Uh, I guess Porter's first flight into Muskoka. 
Um, and I, it crossed my mind, uh, Porter is a privately held company, and they too had to shut down much of their capacity, and access to funding for them is a lot more restrictive than it is to, say, an Air Canada uh, that, has, that has access to the government purse every now and then. Um, how is Porter faring? How important do you believe to tourism was Porter to coming to Muskoka and uh, on a go-forward basis will we see more Porter planes in the sky going north? Well, thank, uh, great. There's a, there's, a few, uh, there's a few responses in there, but thanks for, for, for broaching that, Wolfgang. And as much as I'd like to take credit, uh, you're only as good as your team. So we, we've got a great team that really brought this to fruition over a five-year period. And, you, you know, you don't see that as much. You know, short-term wins are, are, are what, you know, companies and, and, and people look for now. But this was a really a long game for us that started five years ago with feasibility studies, so on and so forth. And as I mentioned earlier, our product is an outdoor product, a natural landscape. So we have to be very cognizant, uh, cognizant over, uh, over tourism. So by going into international markets such as the U.S., is, is, you know, it's not always bring more tourists to a destination because you don't want over-tourism. And we're seeing that in Ontario right now with, with you know, over-tourism in some beaches and, and so on and so forth. But if we can go into international markets such as the U.S., the further a traveler comes, the more they spend, the longer they stay. So it's a higher yield for small business. But it's a long game here with regards to air travel into the region. So as we went into uh, new markets, such as we, we looked at New York, Washington, Boston, and Chicago, you know, places that Porter network flew, um, we looked at those and said, do we have the product to entice that traveler to come here? Um, and we said, you know, very simply, what if, why not? Because when we first broached this, people were like, it's never going to happen, never going to happen. We're like, well, it's a long game. We'll get them here. And as the industry builds, we will build out the routes as well as we move forward. And so we put together a business plan based on research and Enveronics and, and lots of conversations. And we went in with a business plan to the airline industry and we went to Porter and said, here's, here's the product we have, and here's we think we'll be able to pull travelers out of international destinations to come to our region. So they liked what we were laying down. They, we signed a three-year contract with Porter to because, you know, it's not just an investment in money and marketing. You know, some of these long-term plans are investment in time. We're changing travel habits of, of travelers. So a three-year contract made sense because it would be um, something that we would build on year over year. And I'm bound by confidentiality, so I can't give you specifics of the route. But they, the numbers exceeded our expectations. It was a fantastic first year. And all of the network benefited. We had travelers from, from New York, Boston, Washington, but also from Ottawa and Montreal using the route coming up. And it was all for, part of this bigger long-term plan of increasing tr- uh, tourism receipts to our region, not necessarily more travelers, but a higher-yield traveler coming to our, to our region. So it was a fantastic first year. This is a blip in the radar. It's, you know, long game. So year two, which was supposed to be this year, is just going to move into next year. And we hope to pick off right where we left off um, and get right back into, you know, filling those plans coming up to our region for tourism. You know, long game. Ajax, isn't that what it's all about in life? Pick a great, pick a great partner and think long. 
buy a great business, and think long. Have a vision and a goal, as you're hearing here from James Murphy, and think long. I think that's the way you have ultimate success in business. This is a show about money. It's Hi-Fi Radio on the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. If you're just tuning in, good morning to you. Uh, Having a lot of fun speaking with James Murphy. Uh, He holds a master's degree in recreation, leisure studies, tourism planning, and policy from the University of Waterloo. You know, I think it's great, James, that, in fact, you are doing what you studied, and you seem to be very passionate. We're going to go to a quick break, get right back with James Murphy. We're talking about tourism here in Ontario and how COVID-19 has affected the likes of Muskoka and Algonquin and all of our beautiful nature that we have here in this wonderful country of ours. You stay tuned, my for good friends. More show right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Always joined with my partner, Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager as well. We help people just like you have more money. And uh, really, when you're investing money, it's all about having a bit of a business mind. I love business. I love variety. And, you know, the world truly is your oyster. And it's remarkable um, and yet frustrating uh, for youth who go to school they're not entirely sure uh, what, what, what's in front of them with respect to life. Perhaps they're not entirely sure what they want to do. That's okay. It takes time. Try a few different things. Uh, James Murphy, you seem to nail it. You, you picked yourself a fantastic vocation that you continue to uh, operate in. Um, I love the outdoors, as does my friend Jack. Uh, what's not to like? Um, so you guys uh, obviously are good friends, and part of what Jack and I do is I think we bring boots on the ground to the show here, uh, speak to real people doing real things that, of course, evolve around business and money and economics. Uh, so what do you two boys uh, uh, yak about at the campfire up there in Muskoka as you're talking tourism and business? When I was talking to, to James earlier in the week, actually, we were just talking about the types of businesses up there. And uh, with the virus, obviously, different businesses, like he said, some have actually been benefiting from it. Not, I don't know if benefiting is the right word, but they've been very successful in a uh, type of environment like this, whether it's outdoors or golfing versus the, obviously the restaurant industry, which is uh, very challenged right now in terms of capacity. So, James, I just wonder if you could maybe speak to that in terms of what you're seeing in tourism up in Muskoka, um, you know, marinas and golf courses versus, um, you know, retail stores and, uh, and restaurants. Well, the outdoor product is doing very well. There's been, you know, National Post just talked about how golf courses are booming right now, but also our, you know, bike sales, kayak sales, RV sales. The outdoors is really where it's at, and I think, you know, as travel habits change, they'll continue to be at. So there is this, um, there is this renewed sort of uh, love affair with with the outdoors and, and people really wanting to to have the space and the fresh air. So that's doing well. Some of the other businesses. Um, you know, it's always is the case. Some businesses get frozen at the switch, but some that were able to pivot early and and you know go online or do curbside or change their their business model are are faring. You know, they're not they're not 
you know, making millions, but they are not making the money they did before, but they're faring well during this pandemic, which is, which is very important. Uh, so the outdoors is really where it's at um, and moving forward. But one of the challenges that we, we see, and every business I think sees, is, is the staffing. That's the elephant in the room right now. And for us, uh, with the tourism industry and what's going on, is that we're, again, embarking on another marathon, another long-term plan to help solve this challenge. And, and we're a government-funded agency, and, you know, we're coming into a time where the, you know, the government spent a lot of money, you know, you know, weathering the storm, if you will. And we need to think outside the box and, and put on a, our business hat and say, how are we going to generate revenue and how are we going to make this palatable for the business community to invest in the health of the tourism industry. So we're looking sorry, at... Sorry, James. Sorry, James. I want to jump in there for a quick second because you brought yeah. up a very interesting point. Staffing. Yes. Uh, businesses in tourist areas often have trouble finding staff. Uh, Elliot, my little boy, he's up in Minden right now working at Blair Hampton Golf Course. If you're in Minden, by the way, don't be shy. Go by the uh, course and see if my son is actually working and not putzing around the golf course. You keep an eye on my boy for me, my friends out there. We have to take care of each other after all. And you send me a quick note on Elliot at Blair Hampton. But um, uh, the, uh, Sandy, the owner of Blair Hampton, could not find enough staff uh, to help her uh, get through the season. And she contacted us here in Toronto and said, can any chance your kid can come up for a few weeks and help us out? I hear the same when I go skiing in Banff. When I go skiing in Banff, there's no locals from Banff or Calgary working there. No, there are people from Australia, New Zealand, Europe, uh, anywhere but uh, Calgary. It's, it's unbelievable. And I, I speak to the uh, hotels and uh, the likes up on these resorts. They say, why don't people from Calgary work in town? They say they don't want to. There's enough money to be made in Calgary. They don't need to come here and make money on the weekend. They want to come here and ski and have fun and enjoy the place. So, again, speak to staffing. How much of a challenge is it for these seasonal businesses to find staff? And where's the opportunity, perhaps, for people here at home to get their kids to do a little bit of work and make some money and experience something different? Well, I think staffing is, 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 yes, it's a challenge for tourism, but also for the healthcare system. Personal support workers are a low-paying, entry-level job, and they, you know, need to make money as well, and even the building industry. But particularly for staffing, it is a challenge. And we've, uh, our team has infiltrated Ryerson University in Georgia to talk to students firsthand to understand, you know, what the challenge is from their point of view. And I would like to say that, you know, when businesses hire staff, the gold standard of, of, of customer service is those individuals that have worked in the tourism and hospitality business. If you've worked in a restaurant or front desk, you know how to problem solve. You know how to deal with complaints. You know all that. You're not just book smart. You're, 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 you're street smart. So how do we make it palatable or financially viable for, for young people to come into the hospitality and tourism to pivot for a couple years and then, you know, whether they stay, they stay or they move on, but they're better suited for those future companies or future business because they have those people skills. You know, AI is great, but it never replaces those people skills. So we're looking at catalyst housing and developing a regional currency in order, it's not affordable housing, but it's for individuals that can move along the housing continuum, that they come into our region for a fixed amount of time, they sign up and we'll move them around to properties to, to pivot, to, to build their resume. And in that time, they have a lower cost of living and they have regional currency that offsets their minimum wage. So there's a whole ecosystem and whole ethos of, of, of tackling this problem, not by sitting on a committee and talking about, you know, 
tourism is great, but actually putting something, a program in place that will not only in over the course of a period of time, such as two years, have them work in different parts of the industry, but also give them some financial planning courses or give them some courses on, on, on how to better understand economics. So when they're done their two years in this housing or catalyst program, that they're better off for the world. You know, they, they pivoted. They've got customer service, service skills because you take an individual that's, you know, worked in a restaurant or worked on the front desk of a hotel or, or in the hospitality and tourism and apply them to, you know, the banking industry or, you know, you know, being a real estate agent. They've got these sets of skills that can only come by working in tourism. So there is a benefit, but we have to think outside the box and we have to be brave enough to, to, to enter into long-term thinking and, and these marathons of, of development to get this going. So that's where our heads are at. And, you know, non-for-profits can raise money through community bonds and think rather than, you know, going to the government all the time, saying to the, to the, to the community or to the region, saying, do you want to invest in this? Do you want your restaurants open a bit longer? Do you want to get your coffee at the coffee shop? If so, invest in this program and we'll start producing, um, you know, employees and staff that will better suit your needs. So it's beneficial to you. The show is Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Uh, James Murphy, uh, it's been a pleasure speaking tourism with you. Uh, I think you're doing great uh, work with Explorers Edge. Um, I love the great landscape, of course. Ontario, is it still yours to discover? I believe it is. Uh, Jack, as always, my friend, a good job this week. And I wish you a good weekend. Uh, may you prosper. May you be wealthy. May you be safe. And uh, may Jack and I spend another hour with you next Saturday morning. You have yourself a great day and a great week, my good friend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.